the conference matchups for the next basketball season have been released. And with how packed together things are in the Big Ten right now, having an easier schedule could easily push you a huge way up the standings. You are locked on Big Ten. Your daily podcast on the Big Ten Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hey, this is Nate Dickinson. You're tuned in to Locked On Big Ten. Locked On Big Ten is your place to go to get everything you need to know on the conference for your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Coming up on today's show, we're going to talk Big Ten basketball matchups for next season. They were released last week, and Isaac Shade hit me up and wanted to do a crossover with Locked On Basket, Locked On College Basketball on the matchups in the Big Ten. As I mentioned on the top of the show, I really think that with how many teams are right there so close together in the Big Ten right now, or at least it seems, it could easily make a big difference where you land and how easy your schedule is as to where you land in the Big Ten standings at the end of the season. So I joined Isaac Shade to talk about all of that here on Locked On College Basketball. So we'll do a crossover with Isaac here right now, as he had me on the program to talk all about the schedules for college basketball. Also get into a little bit of maybe is Zach Eady going to come back or not. We talk about that and everything else you need to know about the matchups. Who has it easiest and worst in the Big Ten? We'll get into that right now here with Isaac. Man, it's great to be joined today on Locked On College Basketball by the host of Locked On Big Ten, Mr. Nate Dickinson, at Nate with Sports on Twitter. And Nate, I know we're just coming out of the NFL draft, and so I'm sure that's a lot of what you're dealing with right now on your show. But here on Locked On College Basketball, what matters to us right now about the Big Ten is the fact that the conference schedule matchups were released last week. Folks, we don't have the, the dates or the times or TV schedules yet, but we do know the opponents. So just to quickly lay it out for those of you who might not be aware, and then we'll start talking about this. Reminder, Big Ten has 14 teams. USC, UCLA are not in yet. It's a 20-game conference slate. And so what happens is, let's say you're Purdue. There are seven teams you play twice. That's 14. So then six teams you play once, and that's divided into three home and three away so that you have a balanced 10 games home, 10 games away, and shapes up like that. And so, Nate, we we got this dropped kind of midweek last week, Tuesday. And, you know, I know in the offseason, it's so hard to make heads or tails of what team is what and those kind of things. We're still, you know, the transfer portal's still open for crying out loud. But as you see these opponents start to drop, what are the kind of things you're looking for to make sense of this? Well, luckily, the Big Ten is making it pretty simple this offseason, at least so far, in the fact that the middle of the conference is just as much a log jam, it looks like, <laughs> next season as it was this season. I mean, I looked at the Lenardi bracketology because he last week also released this like way too early 2024 tournament bracket. And I was thinking, OK, if like you said, we can't figure out what it's going to look like in the fall anyways. 
might as well go off this. He would know just as well as anybody else where everybody stands. And I was thinking, okay, it's probably everyone in the middle is right there and I'm proven right. It's going to be the same thing as it was this year. This year we had Purdue the one seed, Indiana the four seed. Everybody else was a seven through 10. When I looked at the Lenardi bracketology here, you've got Michigan State as a projected one seed. Purdue is a projected three seed. And then just about everybody else is right there in that middle of the pack again. If you look at the little bracket he puts up for the bubble with like the last four buys and the next four out and stuff out of those 16 teams listed right now six of them are big 10 teams so it's definitely really really tight right there in the middle and i think it's representative of the fact that we don't know still exactly how much is going to change between now and the start of the season but also i think more so it's telling that this next season for the big 10 is going to be a lot like what we saw this season in the Big Ten with a whole lot of teams right there in the middle just kind of beating each other up all season. How that makes that easier for us right now is that there's really only a couple of teams at the top and the bottom for us to try and differentiate and really say there's an advantage or disadvantage from. So when I'm looking at this, I'm thinking, okay, who has to play Purdue and Michigan State the most? And then if you're looking for good luck, who has to play Minnesota the most? Because Who gets to play Minnesota exactly. the most? <laughs> Exactly, because again, Minnesota is a struggling, struggling team. Ben Johnson's having a hard time getting a real foothold on things there in Minneapolis. But that team really is the only team that you could say definitively is one that you should beat just about every time. Even Minnesota picked up a couple of Big Ten wins. And that team, as bad as it's looking again next season, no discredit to Coach Johnson. I think he's done a pretty good job given the hand he was dealt when Richard Pitino left. But that's the one team right now where you're looking at it like, okay, that should be the easy win. We thought Nebraska was going to be in that field this year too, but they end up 9-11 and 11 in the Big Ten, and we'll talk about them when we talk about their strength, the schedule here in this conference too. But that is the one team that you want to play twice is Minnesota and Michigan State and Purdue are the two teams you don't want to play twice. Everybody else is kind of just right there in the middle with each other. Man, it's so interesting. And I, I was actually checking out uh, earlier today before you and I recorded to see like on, on Bart Torvik, he's already got out his strength of schedule and um, like kind of his his rankings based on offensive and defensive efficiency. And the only two teams outside the top 100 right now are Minnesota, who you talked about, and interestingly, Penn State, who mm-hmm. is, you know, with, with new coach Mike Rhodes. And I know they've got some really nice transfers in. Um, Kudus Wahab, Puff Johnson, for example. Uh, but he currently has them outside the top 100 right now as well. So I started looking at who gets to play both Minnesota, as you said, and Penn State twice. And so uh, as I see it, there's there's five teams that get that honor of, of Penn State and Minnesota twice. And that's Indiana, Iowa, Michigan State, Northwestern, and Ohio State. So that'll that'll prove to be interesting. But Kind of to your point, it feels I'm with you. It feels like Minnesota is only the sure is the only sure bet to be like, yeah, congrats to those of you who get them twice on your schedule. And uh, I think a lot of it will be determined by what we see throughout the transfer portal and then what starts happening as we get into the season. Nate, are there are there any other specific, you know, we'll talk winners and losers here and strength of schedule stuff in just a little bit. But are there any other initial reactions that you had as you started to see these uh, these matchups come out? The transfer portal makes this a lot harder to do right now. Uh, I mean, even just I mean, Nebraska got Aaron Eulis. I mean, 
however long ago that was here, but it's changing every single day. And I mean, it gives Joe Lenardi a reason to actually put out updated bracketologies every couple of weeks and stuff in the middle of April in May. Now it's going to be really, really fun to watch this off season as teams start to really figure things out. But I, I mean, honestly, as I said before, the reason why I think everybody is so right now tightly packed in the big 10 in the middle is because we're just waiting to see where the transfer portal allows teams to separate themselves going into the season. There's going to be a couple of more big 10 teams who are projected a little bit higher when we get into November, but as it stands right now, it's kind of anyone's guess as to who is going to be good. Who's going to be bad outside of those couple (laughs) extremes. That's right. Yes. uh, Michigan state boy and Purdue, hopefully I'm, or do you think, Nate, I'm going to hold you down on this one real quick, and then we'll move on. Zach Eady is at Purdue next season, yes or no? We talked about this on the show. I think it was last week. Uh, I think partly because of NIL, the idea that he comes back is much more of a reality than it would have been before. When you look at what he is as an NBA prospect, that's not going to change, really, if he comes back for another season at Purdue, right? Like he's a big post guy. His draft stock isn't going to get any higher. By playing another season, it's not really going to fall, I don't think, that much by being another year older. Zach Eady is the basketball player that he is. He will get a shot in the NBA. He'll probably be able to play some pretty good G League games, but nobody really thinks of him as some sort of elite pro prospect. So there's a basketball career in the pros waiting for Zach Eady. I think that, of course, he wants to believe that it's a very successful NBA career, but the draft stock would suggest that he would be able to come back to Purdue and not lose all that much for pro prospects, while at the same time having a chance to, A, make more money, potentially (laughs) even than he did last year, because you're now National Player of the Year, and while he's probably already getting all of the deals that he can get in West Lafayette, there is more opportunity to be a little bit more widespread out there. I know big guys don't really sell, but at the same time, he has a chance to be an all-time legend at Purdue, which is maybe even more important. This team hasn't made a Final Four under Matt Painter. This team didn't make a Final Four under Gene Keady. I mean, that's the kind of stuff we're talking about here. He doesn't have to win at all. If he makes it to the final weekend, he is one of the, if not the greatest Purdue basketball player that's ever been. And he'll be doing something that hasn't been done at that school for what's closing in on 40 years now. That, to me, is worth coming back to school. I really hope, and frankly, I expect Zach Eady to come back. Thanks, Nate, for all that insight. We'll continue on with things with Isaac Shade as we do a crossover with Locked On College Basketball here in just a minute on Locked On Big Ten. But before we get back to the conversation, you need to make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs because right now, new customers can get a no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000. That's a thousand dollars back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win you can make all sorts of bets on of course the nba playoffs going on the nhl playoffs the mlb season is in full swing as well so whatever it is that tickles your fancy you can find the line over at FanDuel. they've got the spreads they've got the money lines they got all the props that you could ever want so head on over to the site right now and get that no sweat first bet of up to a thousand dollars when you go to fanduel.com slash locked on that's fanduel.com slash locked on fanduel official sports betting partner of the nba 
Also, coming up next time here on Locked On Big Ten, we are going to get into the official opening presser from Tony Petiti. Also, Big Ten people are talking about putting a cap on NIL money. Why that needs to be something that Petiti needs to nip in the bud right away. All sorts of stuff going on off the field in Big Ten news. We'll get into it next time here on Locked On Big Ten. All right, let's continue to talk with Isaac Shade, get into the biggest winners and losers from the Big Ten's matchup in scheduling for this upcoming winter on the hardwood. We'll get into it with Isaac here right now. All right, we are here talking today with Nate Dickinson of Locked on Big Ten. Make sure you give him a follow on Twitter at Nate with Sports. And uh, we're talking about the Big Ten schedule reveal for this upcoming season. Again, we don't know dates or TV scheduler times or anything, but we do know the pairings of the matchups. And so, Nate, what I want to get to now is the winners and losers of this whole thing. Let's start with winners. Um, You know, we talked about who are the folks that get to play Minnesota twice, maybe Penn State or others like that. When you look at this, who are your winners out of this reveal? Uh, There's a couple of different teams that fare decently well, but there's really only one that stuck out to me in a huge way to be potentially a winner here, and that's the Nebraska Cornhuskers. It's the only team in the Big Ten that, while also playing Minnesota twice, it also gets Michigan State and Purdue only once, and both of those games are in Nebraska. So that's an opportunity for them to take advantage of something here. We mentioned the Nebraska Cornhuskers were not anywhere near the top of the Big Ten last season, but they overperformed, ended up 9-11 and 11 in conference play. I mean, this team was barely over 500 in non-conference play. They were expected to be down there with Minnesota the entire way. They overperformed there. They're picking up big players. They just got Aaron Eulis from Iowa that we mentioned. Uh, Casey Tominaga may come back and play another season. If he did that, that would be huge. They've got Bryce Williams coming in, who is all-conference USA. Uh, Rink Mast led Bradley in both scoring and rebounding, and both of those guys can also shoot the three. So Nebraska is a perfect team, where with all those pieces together, I would be like, oh, okay, maybe this team can be like middle of the pack in the Big Ten, or at least be able to get out of the depths of the bottom of those standings. But now when you combine that with the fact that they've got easily the easiest schedule in the Big Ten, if you ask me in the conference. I think you can combine those things and make a team that is like the ideal candidate for this case that a team can really have a big advantage over another just based on this schedule. Because let's be honest, even with the unbalanced, it's a few games. It's three, four games when you're talking about how much you're actually differing from every other team in the Big Ten. If Nebraska can be the team that was this year, continue to perform like that, it will be able to take advantage and win those extra games because it is perfectly lining up with the schedule and how they've been able to add here in the transfer portal for them to be a surprise team that makes a jump in the Big Ten. I don't know how high, but it's all working in their favor right now. And Cornhuskers, you love to see it. We'll keep our eyes on Fred Hoiberg's team, see how they're getting ready. Nate, what about the flip side of that coin? I love you pointing out what Nebraska has available to them on paper to be able to make a little bit of a leap in the Big Ten. Who Who's potentially a loser out of this schedule drop? Uh, I've got three names, Illinois, Michigan, Wisconsin. Uh, they're the only three teams that are playing both Michigan State and uh, Purdue Oof. twice. Uh, Northwestern. Northwestern's on that list too. Uh, but Northwestern also gets to play North or, or Minnesota twice. So 
when you're looking at the situations, Illinois, Michigan, Wisconsin, it's the flip. It again, we talk. It's the flip side of it. They have the hardest teams twice. They only get Minnesota once. Those are the three losers, and those are also three teams. Wisconsin, at the moment, with what they've done recently, have worked their way into a spot where it's looking like they could be pretty decent. But Illinois and Michigan are right on that NCAA tournament bubble that Joe Lenardi had out there posted last week. So it could be the difference between making and missing the tournament. Those yeah. last couple of games for those teams. And it's interesting because they've got, you know, like it's it's that weird thing of like you got more opportunities, but boy, those opportunities are intimidating. And there's obviously the possibility to mess it up. And as you've said, those are I'm right with you, Nate, that those to me are the two clear cut favorites, Michigan State and Purdue in the conference heading into next season. So uh, tough scheduling for those teams. Speaking of Northwestern, congrats to coach Chris Collins, who got a contract extension signed. I believe that happened on Monday up through the 27-28 season. So way to go, coach. And uh, man, Northwestern making the tournament for the second time ever in school history. Nate, you know, we, we look at this and we've got all these massive conferences right now. Um, as recently as this year, the Big 12, which had 10 teams, was playing the true round robin, 18 games home and away. Obviously, uh, that might be different this year because they bring in all these AAC schools. Uh, we know that the Big 10 is getting ready to bring in USC and UCLA pretty soon here. But as of right now, we've got 14 teams and it's an unbalanced schedule. Mm-hmm. Is this a fair way to be able to determine a regular season champion based on, you know, like the ways we're looking at winners and losers is you have to play the best teams twice. You don't, you get to play the worst teams twice. You don't. And that's kind of how we think it's going to play out. Is, is this an accurate way for us to be determining regular season champions? It's probably not the most accurate. Uh, When we are doing this thing, when we're talking about all the numbers and the advanced metrics, yeah, there's probably some other way to make it, work where things are done more efficiently like that. Uh, I think if you ask people like us who do this thing, maybe they'd want that. I I think if you ask the coaches and the players who are on those teams, I feel like the old heart, old fashioned basketball fan in me wants wins (laughs) and losses to still matter a whole lot. So yeah, it's a flawed system. And with the big 10, it's just a case where you can't play everyone once you can't play everyone twice. Maybe the conference gets big enough where, there is a point where you can just do a single round robin with everybody. And that would be pretty fun, honestly, I think. But it's a situation where probably not the best way to do things. But in the age of all these advanced metrics and new numbers and things, I'm perfectly fine with letting wins and losses have some power still here. Interesting. Do, I mean, you just said it. Do you, uh, you know, pretty soon here we're going to be at, at 16 how quickly, if ever, do you think the Big Ten gets four more teams and could get to that sort of true round robin in terms of one game against every team? If you get them home this year, you're at their place next year. Is that is that a pretty uh, reality that we might be looking at in the near future? Uh, well, it is the reality. It's going to happen. It How near in the future it is, is what the question is. I mean, Tony, <laughs> Petiti, Tony Petiti just had his opening press conference as commissioner of the Big Ten. He's not even on the job yet. He's still got a couple of weeks to go before he's officially in the office and doing things. I, it was one of the things that was frustrating with when Kevin Warren was here, is that we were getting mixed messages from the mm. Big Ten about what this conference wanted to do. One week, Kevin Warren was saying, we're all for looking into more expansion. The next week, 
front people at schools and chancellors and presidents are saying, well, that's not exactly what we were saying. We might want to just be a little bit more cautious with things. And there wasn't a unified message. Gotcha. That was my biggest thing when Petiti's taking over. You need to be able to have him be that unified message of the Big Ten. The way I put it is like, they may not be telling you the truth, but at the very least, now we know what the Big Ten wants us to hear through the mouth of Tony Petiti. So he will hopefully be that. He will hopefully be able to corral all these owners and or owners all these schools together <laughs> and be able to <laughs> i'm in pro sports oh, right. be able to get these schools together and agree on something but it's a it's a weird dynamic right now because there's very clearly schools who want more expansion and there's very clearly schools who want to hold off for a little bit more on this and it seems like at the moment that divide could keep things dragging on a little bit more mm -hmm. now if the sec makes another move maybe that forces something to happen. But right now, I, if I had to lean one way or another, I'd say the Big Ten is, unless the right opportunity comes about, ready to be reactionary than taking the next step. Proaction, yeah. All right, very interesting stuff from Nate Dickinson. We will continue to keep tabs on the Big Ten player movement in and out through the transfer portal or back from the draft or staying in the draft. Stay with us here on Locked On College Basketball. Make sure you check out Locked On Big Ten and all of Nate's great work. Thanks again to Isaac Shade for joining us here on the program and doing a little crossover with us on Locked On College Basketball. Of course, Go listen to Locked On College Basketball if you're one of those hardwood heads who needs to have those kind of updates every day. We're going to be covering a lot of football as we get into camps and other things in the offseason. But we can, of course, get the biggest on basketball. They can cover everything else that you need to know over at Locked On College Basketball with Isaac and Andy Patton over there on that program as well every weekday. Before we finish up here on Locked On Big Ten, I want to just really quickly get into some news. We may make a bigger deal about this on a later show but don't have a ton of time at the moment to really dive into it but a report came out from john william jim williams i apologize a reporter who said the big 10 won't consider adding oregon and washington until it's clear that colorado arizona arizona state and utah are out of the pac-12 and going to the big 12 that's big big news as far as the next step for what's coming for the big 10 i talked about it with isaac I think the Big Ten has a really good chance to be able to add schools quickly, but I also believe that there's a feeling in the conference, within the conference, that it might be better to wait and see what happens with everything else going on right now first. And this is a big indication of supporting that. Now, if you're a Big Ten school at the moment, and even if you want expansion, it kind of makes more sense now to wait and see what's happening with the Pac-12. Because as recently as about a month ago, we would have been really, really confident that maybe this Pac-12 deal is going to get done really soon and we can see what happens about what we can get afterwards. It seemed like the Pac-12 was going to stay together. Now that seems much, much less certain. And if it turns out that the Pac-12 is going to break apart anyway, well then, if you're the Big Ten, you're looking at a situation now where it's okay. Maybe we could try and pursue something at the moment, but they've got to get this media rights deal done one way or another. Either that or lose the schools. So if they end up losing the schools, why would we make an effort and possibly pay money to the Pac-12 now when there's potential that those schools and that conference could just break apart and you get them for free? The point is that the price point is what the Big Ten is most interested in here. 
I think it wants to add Washington and Oregon at some point. And I said that off the bat, when Petiti takes office, expansion needs to be what he gets everyone on the same page about. But if the Pac-12 ends up just falling apart, then the Big Ten is just going to take Washington and Oregon and run with it, because why not? And I don't blame him. I mean, that's the right move to make, of course. But this is the right move to make, I think, too, given the situation we have now in the Pac-12 compared to what we had just a month or two months ago. This media rights deal is looking like it could complicate this thing a whole lot more than I thought it would just a little while back. We'll maybe talk more on that at some point later, and of course I'm sure more news will come, and at some point the Pac-12 or Big 12 does have to make a move. So we'll cover that when that happens. But for now, that's it for Locked On Big Ten here today. I'm your host, Nate Dickinson. Thank you, as always, for joining us on the program. Next time, we will get into Tony Petiti's press conference. We're going to talk NIL money, a whole lot of official business in the Big Ten to get into as Tony Petiti gets ready to officially get his first day in on the job. We'll get into all of that next time here on Locked On Big Ten. Until then, be sure to follow us on Twitter, on YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts at Locked On Big Ten. One zero at the end of that, not T-E-N when you're typing it out. And then I'm Nate Dickinson, at Nate with Sports on Twitter. You've been listening in to Locked On.